boy and beat him when he sneezes. He only does it to annoy because he knows it teases. Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to Every Version Ever. In this episode, we're looking back at another classic review that Sarah and I did for my Wonderland Wednesday series, but this time we're looking at an episode from 2018. In this one, we're talking about an episode of PBS's Great Performances, which was a televised version of a Broadway adaptation of Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. This version originally aired in 1983 and starred a host of familiar faces from stage and screen. I don't think I have much more to say as far as an intro goes, so let's just jump into it. Today we're going to be talking about the 1983 PBS Great Performances version of Alice in Wonderland. This one is not so much a movie as it is a television recording of a stage play. They filmed it sort of like a movie, but you can tell it was supposed to be a stage play. There was very minimal special effects put in, and the emphasis was on the costumes. But it was interesting for what it was, and actually it was better than I thought it was going to be. Really? I, I was kind of expecting the worst, <laughs> because it's the 80s and I don't know. It, I just, I, I kind of thought it was going to be terrible, but it, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. I, there was a couple things I thought was weird, but all in all, I, especially at least for the costumes, I really liked it. He said that he was having an easier time forgiving it for cutting things out because of the limitations of the stage play. And you just have to keep that in mind as you're watching it. If you're a major fan and you're noticing all the things that aren't there, they do have a lot of dialogue from the story, though. It starts out kind of odd because you can tell that they're supposed to be starting this play and they're discussing how the person playing Alice just maybe isn't ready, maybe isn't good enough, and you go back to her stage room and she's trying to... is that the right word? Stage room? Dressing room. She go, you go back to her dressing room and she's trying to get ready, work on her lines, and you didn't know this, but Alice is actually a smoker. <laughs> And a brunette, and maybe 35. I don't know. I think she was probably more like in her late 20s, and she just had a deeper voice because of the smoking. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't, I wasn't worried about her voice, but I really... I actually kind of liked her voice. She... Even though it was not, she was not seven, like she said at one point in the play. Seven and a half. <laughs> oh, yes. I've... For the actress, I, I, I don't know, I like slightly deeper voices, and I don't know, she just had a rich quality to her voice, I thought. Okay, he analyzed that more <laughs> than I did, but once she, it's almost like they, they transition from her dressing room into Wonderland, but not in a really weird way, it just, it's almost like she's drifting off into daydreams and there she is. But once she is in Wonderland, the costuming is like that of the book, like you would expect with the pinafore and the blonde hair, and it changes her appearance so much that she doesn't look so grown up, and mm -hmm. the, the cigarette is gone. 
thankfully. Yeah, she never is smoking while she is in Wonderland. Right. And one of the th one of the things that was kind of neat was that the background artwork looked like ink drawing and a lot of the costuming looked like it was done in pen and ink. Yeah, they kind so, of looked like they painted the edges of all the costumes and it, it gave it like an illustrated feel even yeah. though it was obviously costumes and like, three-dimensional. but Like they were literally trying to make the book come to life mm -hmm. and I can appreciate that. They had a variety of styles of music and dancing around which some of which were better than others it wasn't cohesive no and it wasn't period correct a, a fair amount of it I mean and a lot of times I was thinking I just I want to get on to the next scene this <laughs> the songs were I don't know like kind of annoying to a little bit but thankfully, none of them lasted too long. Sometimes they seemed to start out slow, and then they'd really speed up, speed up, speed up. I was like, yes, this is much better now. They get through Alice's adventures in Wonderland, and then you have a brief foray back into reality, and then they go into through the looking glass scenes. And sprinkled throughout all of this are a lot of recognizable people. Not necessarily all of them huge names, but you just may have seen them in something else. Like the Cheshire Cat, I remember him from the old version of Annie. He was a weird character though. I I really liked him as a person, but I didn't really like what they were doing with the Cheshire Cat. That little walk that he did was kind the, of... The, for me, the claws were the worst part. <laughs> but a six foot six guy from Trinidad with an incredibly rich bass voice. Yes, great, but what you did with the character was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> you were cool though. Uh, but no, a lot of recognizable people like the water rat was... Nathan Lane. And Kay Ballard was the Duchess and Donald O'Connor was the Mock Turtle. Eve Arden was the Red Queen. Not the Red Queen. Eve Arden was the Queen of Hearts. The Red Queen we recognized as, I can't think of her name, she played Marilla on Anne of Green Gables. Uh, Colleen Dewhurst. Yes, that's right. And yeah, she is forever Marilla. Um, and she was really good as the Red Queen. They had some, one of the, th okay, and the rabbit, I thought the guy who played him, the way his personality was portrayed was kind of cute. The way they delivered their lines was quite maybe enunciated is the is the word I think so that they could be heard as a stage play so I think you need to be kind of maybe kind of forgiving as you listen to them because it doesn't always sound as natural as movie dialogue and now that you're mentioning that I think that's what I was trying to figure out of I was hearing something in the way they were talking that just didn't seem quite right. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think they were just over enunciating, and it's probably because it was a stage just play. Just overacting just a little bit, so it seems a little bit fake, but if you were in an audience trying to hear what they're saying, it would make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. They had a weird thing going on with the Queen. 
<laughs> because it was almost like they implied that she and the knave had something going on, but they never said it. And you have to realize that Eve, when she played this part, was an elderly woman. A nice looking elderly woman, but the guy who played the knave looked like a 20-something college student with heavy makeup. Very <laughs> handsome and should not have anything to do with an elderly woman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I. There was nothing. I, there was nothing said in the dialogue. It was just the looks they kept giving each other, and like well, the way he kissed he, her hand at one point. Just the way. I mean, it was just kind of. It like, was just strange. And it was like they were having a hidden conversation during the court scene where they were happy with each other, and then she was upset, and he's like, "What's going on? She's not happy with me anymore." But they never tell you what's actually going on, so that was weird. And then she just sentences him to beheading, just off the cuff. Like <laughs> I don't know if that actually happened. He, he, he wasn't actually beheaded, but... But, yeah, but it was like he was supposed to be beheaded, but during the trial it was like they were still into each other, and then it was like evidence was coming out that was exposing what was happening, and then she was upset and like, abort, abort, and he's like, what, you're not happy with me anymore? That, it's that's just the really way, strange. That's the way my mind was kind of interpreting it, yeah. but he doesn't die. He's he's in the end scene of Through the Looking Glass at yeah. the party. It was just very strange. No knaves were hurt in the making of this film. The Mad Hatter was one of the strangest choices, at least for me, because for some reason they decided to portray him as perpetually angry. Like, this was the angriest Mad Hatter we've ever it, it seen. It was like he He's was, literally a Mad Hatter, not in, crazy, not in that he's crazy, yeah, but he's just like, mad about something. Is he going into withdrawal from the hat-making fumes? <laughs> What's happening here? He was pretty agitated, and I don't know how all that works with Mad Hatters. Um, one of the things that was interesting was during the courtroom scene when he bites his teacup, it really looks like he's eating like a powdered sugar cookie or something. I'm wondering what they made that out of. And then it was cute because one of the cards in the background is like, oh, dude's eating his cup. <laughs> Which is probably, would have been a natural reaction. Yeah, but you don't, you don't expect it in Wonderland. You don't expect natural. Um, yeah. I liked the way they had the cards walk. I thought, you know, it was almost reminiscent of Disney, the way they had them sort of swiveling around mm -hmm. like they're actually cards. I'm wondering if maybe they took a little inspiration from that. Yeah, and maybe for her styling as well, because the Alice in the book is pen and ink. I don't know if I've seen how much I've seen that colored. Maybe I have. But anyway, she was a little reminiscent of the Disney one. Another interesting tidbit is that her father the lady who played Alice, her father played the White Knight and I think did a pretty good job. They didn't belabor it as much as they could have, which I appreciate. I would say he's one of the better White Knights that we've seen. A lot of times I tend to get very bored in that scene, but I think he did a good job and was able to keep my attention better than 
So There's so much dialogue that if you're reading it, it's okay, but when it's acted out, it yeah. can be slow. And I thought it was just interesting to know that that was her father and they're sharing that experience together. And he had a great accent. It was also really strange for me seeing Donald O'Connor around 30 years after Singing in the Rain, when that's the image that I have burned into my memory. And when they come along to the Mock Turtle, it sounds kind of like Bing Crosby's portraying the Mock Turtle. So that was one of the styles that they included, it was sort of a 1930s, 40s style of singing, along with tango, along with ballet sort of sounding music. And yeah, not very... Yeah, the music was just all over the place. <laughs> Whatever they felt like for the particular character. Flipping back to the queens. The queens were probably some of our favorites, at least from the second half. Yes. We really liked the red and white queens. They were great. Eve Arden was fine as the queen. I just didn't... I thought their twist on her character was kind of weird. But as far as the red and white queen... I really, really liked both of them. Um, Colleen Dewhurst Marilla. <laughs> she she just has this really dramatic, slightly hot-tempered presence that she can portray really, really well. But they she's not a mean character in here. She's just very. She's like serious, but also like. Slightly crazy. And but silly, but not necessarily meaning to be, like yeah. Wonderland should be. Yeah. And that's one of the special things about this production, if you want to call it special. But it, I guess it is kind of special. That since they can't, I think since they couldn't do as much with some of the other things, they did include some of the fun dialogue that might get blurred in other versions so mm -hmm. that was really good that's one of the you know that's one of the biggest things that makes wonderland special is all the silly little conversations that go on and thinking of things in a different way from what they actually are you know one word meaning one thing in real life but it could be confusing if you thought of it this way and the white queen was a doll i mean if if she was your grandmother you would just love her. She'd be the one standing there with cookies and hugs. <laughs> she was, she just had this lovely voice and just this sweet appearance. They didn't make the, it weird with the whole pricking her finger. They did include that, but she wasn't obnoxious about it. Yay! And, and she also didn't turn into a sheep, which I, I, <laughs> I sort of appreciated because we had just finished watching a very Creepy horrible sheep. version yeah. of the sheep, so I was glad to have a break from the sheep for a while. I feel like if they had tried, they could have made her a really cute sheep, but that could have also gone wrong, too. Mm -hmm. Either way, she was adorable and sweet just the way she was. I mean, she left me feeling like, man, if I'm like that when I'm elderly, that's, that's pretty good. Just <laughs> be a cute, sweet little old lady. Um, and I mean, I can't, I don't know. I'm, I just want to stress just how sweet this version was. She's probably the sweetest white queen I've ever seen, the way she delivered her lines. And what, what was she saying in the one part? And the part where they're quizzing her through 
they want to know, or the, I think the Red Queen wants to know, does she know her ABCs? And yes, she does, and the White Queen's like, yes, I do too. We'll say them together often. And you want to know something else? I can read words of one letter. Oh, don't be discouraged. You'll come to it in time. <laughs> and it was so cute. It was like so ridiculous, but so sweet at the same time. We, we, we run and watched it twice because we just really loved the delivery of her lines there. So yeah, I definitely would recommend them out of this version. I don't know how much I would go back to this version as opposed to say the 1950s French, but I think it's a pretty good one to watch. They do have the end party, which certainly wasn't as weird as the last one we just watched, thankfully. You have a lot of the characters that were already sprinkled throughout both halves of the story, filling out the banquet hall. I don't, and, and in that sense it wasn't really true to the book, but I don't blame them just lumping everybody in there. It was good to see that the knave was all right, or just to see the knave. I don't know. <laughs> he was, I don't know how, what I was thinking there. It's like, oh, the knave. Great. <laughs> <laughs> He's not dead. <laughs> I don't know what else was going through my mind there. Um, I don't know that they did the part with introducing the roast or the pudding. They didn't, mm -hmm. did they? So. It do, it, they? They kept this fairly succinct because they want her to make a speech and then they're pressuring her to hurry up and then it's like she's getting overwhelmed and do cards start spinning then um i don't think or was so. that the end of the other one i think that was at the end of alice one okay so she starts getting upset and then what happened and I, I think it just it sort of transitioned back into the real world similarly to the end of the book except there was no kitten involved because it just sort of transitioned from her grabbing the red queen to the picture from the book of the red queen tiny in her hands and then she's back in her dressing room and then it's time for the play to start except the play from what we see the play mainly consists of her sitting in a giant oversized armchair reciting jabberwocky i feel like that's just the way it was supposed to start I feel like it's supposed to transition to everything else. So the play is supposed to start and then you see her in this great big, looks like a red velvet chair reciting the Jabberwocky and then that's it. it's over. It's kind of dramatic and yeah, that's pretty much it. And it's a pretty good version with a lot of recognizable people in it. I think the main thing that I took away from this was now I really want to see Alice in Wonderland as a play in real life and I would like to see somebody do it better than they did it here I mean they did it well but we were talking while we were watching we noticed that the biggest things that were getting cut out of this version was when there would be something like really fantastical happening and I know with different I don't know play improvements technology-wise, they could probably pull something off really well, like Having, with falling down the rabbit hole yeah, and yeah. the 
shrinking, transitioning, shrinking and growing. Um, they could probably do something with Bill. And another thing that I hadn't mentioned is that I liked the caterpillar pretty well in this version. I think he's one of the better caterpillars that I've seen. They gave him personality, but it wasn't like super obnoxious or weird. It's almost like he's a wise college professor who's slightly temperamental. Anyways, we really liked this version, and I, I think the main well, thing... Well, moderately liked. <laughs> I liked it pretty well. We liked... We really liked aspects of this version. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't perfect, but it was definitely worth watching for an Alice fan. I don't know how mm. I don't know how the general public might feel about it, but for an Alice fan, I think this one is worth watching. If you have some idea of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it might work for a child too if they just don't care about how bizarre things are. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to another classic episode of Wonderland Wednesday on every version ever. Next time is going to be a surprise. I'm actually putting this episode together a couple weeks in advance to give myself more time to work on a mini-series for Wonderland Wednesday on my main YouTube channel. So at the time that I'm finishing this episode, I don't know what next week's going to be. When it's complete, that miniseries will eventually become an episode of Every Version Ever, and that episode's going to cover a huge variety of lost Alice in Wonderland media. But if it's not done by the time this episode airs, next time will either be another repeat, or I do have a bonus interview episode to release before the lost media episode, so we'll see where I'm at when we get there. Either way, there's so much more Alice content to come, so make sure to come back next time for more Every Version Ever. We'll see you then. We're